What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan. With me is Jared. How's it going, Jared? It's going well. I'm really excited about tonight's episode and looking forward to having a good conversation. Yeah, so uh, we had recently recorded this episode. We weren't going to do a live stream. We were just going to like release an episode like normal grown-up adults. And uh, the night before we were going like, to... Like, we recorded, we're like, cool, we're done. And then the next night, uh, something changed. So what we're going to be talking about today is uh, William Lane Craig, specifically a conversation he had um, on his podcasts. And he was answering a user's... Or, sorry, a listener's question. And we thought the question was kind of, his answer was kind of ridiculous. It made the rounds around Atheist YouTube. Um, essentially, Craig seemed to imply that you should believe things, even if there's not very good evidence, because it would be super neat if they were true, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we thought that was silly. So we talked about it. And then literally the night after we did it, like the next morning, he went on capturing Christianity. We don't think that his subsequent, like, clarification really changed much but we thought we'd have to like address it so that's what we're doing yeah and i guess the reason we wanted to reapproach this and like basically waste all the work we did before was because we want to give the most charitable presentation of of craig's you know right uh, side of the story so yeah we, but, there were some things he clarified uh that i think are worth addressing but yeah. before we get into that today's fallacy of the day is special pleading yeah so Special pleading is a shockingly hard to find fallacy. It took a while to actually <laughs> find a good definition for this one. But it's uh, basically a form of inconsistency where you, as the reasoner, don't apply the same standard to yourself as you apply to other people or other arguments. Um, you have like a general principle that you say is true, except it's not true for you because your situation is special, but you don't give a good reason why your situation is special. Yeah. A lot of times people will do special pleading without realizing they're doing special pleading. And in fact, most of the time I would say that's the case. Uh, this has also been referred to as moving the goalpost or having a double standard as well. Yeah, double standard, especially like moving the goalpost could fit into it, but definitely double standard. Like it's a standard for me, not for you. Um, yeah. hold it, uh, holding, for instance, the belief that you have that you grew up with, you believe it on the basis of this evidence. But if for someone else's belief, you expect this much evidence, that's uh, could be another example of it. And it may or may not apply to, to tonight's <laughs> topic at all. So no, that'll be up to you to decide. <laughs> uh, so uh, like I said at the top, we are going to be talking about uh, a conversation that William Lane Craig had. If you don't know who William Lane Craig is, he is one of the most prominent uh, Christian apologists and philosophers around. He is probably most popular for popularizing the Kalam cosmological argument and then just getting absolutely crushed by Sean Carroll <laughs> in his debate on the same topic. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I don't think he's famous for being crushed by Sean Carroll, but that's that's why I think he's famous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, he's just a, a extremely well-known philosopher and he's kind of built a reputation, even if you don't agree with them, of giving what giving erudite, well thought out reasons. They may not be reasons that I find compelling, but, you know, he's definitely a professional philosopher. And so I think that's part of why this response was so surprising. Yeah. Um, so like we said, there are two videos. We are going to start by focusing on the initial video because that's where like the actual question is, and then we'll bring in the other one as it's relevant. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So uh, why don't we start with the context? Because not everybody has seen it. Uh, we're going to start by playing a little bit of the question that Craig got on his podcast, uh, and then we'll talk about it. All right. So next question. Hello, Dr. Craig. I've enjoyed your ministry and it's helped strengthen my faith over the years, but I have recently been having troubling thoughts in my mind. My trouble is that one of the things about Christianity is that it requires a lot of work to follow. In order to follow Christ, you have to orient your entire life around him. Christianity is not just a set of propositions that one holds, but it's a faith practice, a way of life. So I think that's uh, a really good point by the questioner. He, we cut off his name, but the questioner's name is Kyle. Um, and uh, that Christianity isn't just something you believe. It, it comes with cost. It comes with a lifestyle that you're expected to live, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And Kyle's kind of doing this cost benefit analysis here, right? Yeah. So get back into it here. With that in mind, wouldn't the smart thing to do is require very high epistemic standards before one decides they will dedicate their life to Christ? If you're going to live for Christ, then wouldn't it be smart to actually meet Jesus Christ in person or even talk to his mother Mary or an angel? I know you often mention the witness of the Holy Spirit as a way that one can have direct access to God, but I have done meditative prayer and deep meditation for years upon years, and nothing has come up in terms of God speaking to me directly, where I know it wasn't just my own imagination. Many of my fellow Christians have had similar concerns on this also. So, you know, here we have Kyle, he starts off by talking about the cost of Christianity. And then as a result of that, he goes into like, because it has such a high cost, shouldn't I have a high standard or shouldn't I have better expectations of myself for warranting a belief in this system or warranting even practicing the Christian faith, right? And he starts by talking about some things that I honestly, I don't think me listening to it, at least it didn't seem like Kyle was saying he actually expected jesus to like come down on a chariot and talk to him or anything right yeah. but he what what he's asking for is what shouldn't i have evidence uh such that i can be confident that it's not just in my own mind right like i'm not just imagining it i because uh a common thing that craig is going to actually talk about later is the inner witness of the holy spirit which i felt and i'm sure you felt too when you were a christian but i now believe that that's just you know feelings that you had in your mind uh and so shouldn't we expect more than that? Yeah. And it, Kyle's, I mean, I think it's very important to point out too, that Kyle's talked about, like he was, he's been devout in his search for this, right? Mm -hmm. He's not just, he talks about prayer and like seeking out the, this um, feeling or this uh, affirmation. So I yeah. think this is pretty important to point I, out. I w uh, since now that Kyle is like, I wouldn't be doxing him because he's like talked about this publicly on much bigger channels than, it's one or Craig's. Uh, he he runs a his handle on Twitter's like Christian idealism, and he like runs a Christian YouTube channel. So like he he like has thought about this. He's put some work into it, you know. So yeah. this isn't like a casual thing for him. Well, and just on that point too, when I originally heard this podcast, I had because sometimes you know you'll have atheists pretend to be Christians and mm -hmm. they'll call into like the atheist experience and like try to prank them or something or try to trip somebody up. My initial thought and reaction was that this was an atheist pretending to be a Christian to try to get in and see what uh, Dr. Craig said. But you know, it's funny you say that because it 
it did occur to me that I wonder if this guy's actually a Christian. Not that I like, he says he is. And so I want to like have charity, right. you know, but this is the internet. I yeah. do know that people like, like <laughs> that exists. So like, I was like, oh, maybe that's it. I don't know. But no, it evidently is like legitimate. Yeah. Now, it was just a thought that I had. So um, yeah. do we want to get into what Craig's response was to this or? Yeah. So I think that's, that frames, here's what, um, Kyle was talking about, uh, you can play the last, the last little bit that Kyle is basically saying he's like losing his faith or having serious questions yeah. about his faith um, because of this. This is perhaps my biggest struggle, and I cannot seem to get it out of my head as it is causing me to abandon the Christian life because I cannot have high epistemic confidence that Christianity is true. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... <clears throat> He's, uh, he's obviously struggling with this, um, and he wants the confidence, right? So he gets into the epistemic uh, confidence, and Craig talks about this later, but uh, epistemic just is basically knowledge, right? So if we talk about epistemology or epistemic, it's just like, how do you know something or what that knowledge is, right? So he's saying, I want the knowledge to have this justification for this belief. So, And now uh, Craig is gonna one of the premier philosophers in Christianity is gonna take care of Kyle's concerns. He's gonna he's gonna set him straight with some yep. really good advice. Kyle in the United States. When I first heard the message of the gospel as a non-Christian high school student, that my sins could be forgiven by God, that God loved me. He loved Bill Craig, and that I could come to know him and experience eternal life with God. I thought to myself, uh, and I'm not kidding, I thought, if there is just one chance in a million that this is true, it's worth believing. And so my attitude toward this is just the opposite of Kyle's. Far from raising the bar or the epistemic standard that Christianity must meet to be believed, I, I lower it. Um, I think that this is a message which is so wonderful, so fantastic, that if there's any evidence that it's true, then it's worth believing in. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So that is what caused the tremendous amount of, uh, uh, a lot of fervor on the yeah. atheist uh, YouTube. Uh, it, it was shocking to hear this come from Craig, right? Who's all about reasons and justifications for Christianity. And now he's like, yeah, but you know, you don't need all that stuff. Right. I mean, his ministry is called reasonable faith, right? So right. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some clarifications uh, from what he said uh, on capturing Christianity afterwards. He clarified that the one in a million, he wasn't intending to put like an actual number to it. That was kind of like a colloquial phrase, but it's reasonable from what he said that um, he was saying, if there's any reasonable chance of Christianity to be true. So we can take that to mean if there was a low, but you reasonable chance, it's still all the same points apply. Um, he's bas basically saying because of the amazing benefit of Christianity, we should not require as much evidence um, necessarily. So basically he's saying, I take the opposite view, whereas Kyle is saying it's a, it's an expensive proposition and therefore I should have a higher standard. Craig is saying, wouldn't it be amazing? So therefore you should have a lower epistemic standard 
or it, it should at least, if it's not necessarily lower standard, you should at least um, pragmatic concerns can justify your belief. Right. Oh. <coughs> and the pragmatic portion there is basically saying like a way of weighing the costs and benefits, right? So looking at it from a right. pragmatic standpoint saying like, hey, the outcome is so much greater that you can actually just believe it based on that alone. Yeah. But, so yeah. real quick, uh, we've got, let's finish out his original thing where he's talking about the inner witness. And then as necessary, we can talk about this, the other video. So basically you should believe it because it would be, because it, it makes sense. It would be beneficial to you if it were true. So you should do it. Uh, and then he said that this, honestly, this part of the, the answer was more shocking to me. Uh, the part where he, oops, the part where he uh, chat almost chastises Kyle a little bit. There's a, there's a wee bit. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to the alternatives, like naturalism or atheism like or naturalism. other forms or, or, of or life. you know other things. Uh, other forms if of Kyle life. <laughs> really knows like what aliens. it's like to experience the love of God and to have this hope in eternal life and forgiveness of sins then it it seems to me that he will um, gravitate toward that alternative. It will be so attractive and that it would take really, really decisive disproofs to make him give up his Christian faith and abandon it. Now, when I talk about the witness of the Holy Spirit, I, I don't mean God speaking to me directly in the way Kyle describes. God doesn't speak to me directly either in that sort of way as an inner speak to me voice. Directly either. But I just mean a kind of fundamental assurance that one's faith is true. Um, people often talk about this as the assurance of salvation, and I think that is the privilege of every born-again Christian. Um, so I, I hope that Kyle is more than just a nominal Christian, that he's really... Mm come to experience the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit and that he's indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, because so th that's the end of, of his response. And honestly, when I heard that, I was like, holy cow, what a kick to the teeth for Kyle. Like, right. basically his response is get good, scrub. Like, <laughs> He's like, well, if Kyle, if you were a real Christian, you would know, right? Right. But this part really struck me, too, because there's a couple of things going on here that kind of bother me about this. One, uh, many Christians feel like the Holy Spirit is something more than just an assurance, right? Um, many Christians feel like the Holy Spirit actually has uh, communicative powers with them, like they can hear this, they can hear words, auditory things, they can hear... Um, feelings when they ask questions and stuff so it, i mean i don't want to get into the details about that but craig kind of just pushes that off and he's like well it's just more of like when i say the holy spirit i mean like the assurance of salvation which then he gets yeah. on to say that kyle must not have experienced that because I he wouldn't know, be having these questions he wouldn't be having this right because which i, I guess so, so what he's saying is like if you were a born-again christian you'd have this but kyle started by telling you telling craig i don't have this and i've tried like yeah. I'm honestly seeking and is desperately looking for help. And I can't think of a response that's better suited to destroy Kyle 
and his faith because he's clearly hurting. He clearly is like having trouble. He's struggling with this. He desperately wants. He, he's obviously someone who wants to stay in faith, which is totally reasonable. Uh, been there. <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. I, I empathize. And to have Craig say, basically, if you were a real Christian, and he doesn't use his tone, you just heard it, but real Christians have this inner assurance, the inner assurance that Kyle is telling you he doesn't have, that's not very good advice, I don't think. Like, it doesn't seem to be very helpful. You're basically yeah. telling him, you have to have this feeling. When I first heard this, my initial reaction was like, well, if Kyle wasn't in, uh, on the path to atheism before this, he certainly is now. So So in in the other one, we, we can flip to the other video now for as we need it. Um, he does talk. Craig talks a little bit more about this inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And he says uh, it's not a subjective feeling, but it's instead a deep seated, settled assurance of your salvation, which sounds to me an awful lot like a feeling <laughs> like. Like if like like what is assurance of your salvation if it's not a feeling? Is it like confidence? Like I don't get it. You know, what what is it exactly that Craig is expecting? You know, and what what does he say to people like Kyle who don't have it, even those who want it? I even after his response, we have no we have no answer for that. Um, but uh, I think so. That's the original thing. I think it's useful, though, to talk. He does expound a little bit more on this uh, topic of epistemic justification versus pragmatic justification, which mm -hmm. um, kind of plays into Pascal's wager. So uh, we've done an episode on Pascal's wager. And had we been doing the original recorded video like we had planned before he totally we were gonna have a fancy link in it we are gonna have like a thing and it was going to be awesome. But now you'll just have to go find it uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, uh, it's kind of a Pascal's wager sort of thing uh, where uh, the benefits, you basically do a cost-benefit analysis. So he talks about this at um, 8.30 in the... Oops, let me add that to the stream. There we go. We're experts. Uh, so at 8.30, he's talking about this, this difference between pragmatic justification and epistemic justification. Epistemologists distinguish between pragmatic justification and epistemic justification. Epistemic justification seeks for truth-directed reasons for holding some belief. That is to say, it seeks to provide reasons to think that the belief is true. Pragmatic justification uh, seeks for non-truth-directed reasons for believing something to be true. And in doing pragmatic justification, what one basically does is a kind of cost-benefit analysis. One assesses the costs associated with having this belief with the benefits associated with, with having this belief. And if the benefits significantly outweigh the costs, then you can be pragmatically justified in holding that belief so yeah that's actually a pretty decent um a breakdown of the difference between you know pragmatic and epistemic epistemic uh justification craig does a pretty good job there um so yeah i so i agree in part so like the cost of a uh proposition does play into it because like Mostly it's kind of like a practical consideration. We don't have the time and energy to exhaustively research every single 
thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you give, like, if you make a claim that's, I don't know, you had breakfast or you went to the store or something, like, I I believe you just on the virtue of not only its prior probability, but the fact that it costs, there's, like, literally no, no cost to me believing it. Uh, so I, I, it just like that pragmatic concern. It's like, okay, whatever. Versus if it's like uh, something where you need to believe it or you're going to, to die, like, like life and death is weighing on it. Now there's a lot of pragmatic cost, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with it to that extent. And I also agree that sometimes it, it can make sense to do things or act on things from a pragmatic point of view. Later at uh, 1505, he gives one example of what he means by this pragmatic justification. Sure. Um, so we could imagine uh, another situation where, say, you're, you're dying of some dreaded disease that there's no known cure, and an experimental drug is offered to you that has, say, a one in a million chance of your <laughs> getting better. Um wouldn't you take the drug? Yeah, I would. Totally. That, <laughs> but that, that that's not what Kyle's talking about. That's no, not, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like, and I don't even, honestly, I don't even think that's what Pascal is talking about either. So like in this drug scenario, I'd take the drug. That doesn't mean I believe it's going to work. Right? Like I still, if it honestly is a one in a million chance, then I do not believe it's going to work. But what does it hurt? Right? That's it, the point. Like my alternative, <clears throat> pragmatically, the most rational choice for me to make is to take it because there is a chance. I believe that I what I what I do believe is that I have a one in a million chance of it working and that one in a million chance is much higher than my alternative chance of presumably zero. Right. right? So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I am convinced I believe the proposition that I have a greater chance if I do X than if I don't do X and therefore I'm going to do X. That doesn't mean I have been persuaded that the medicine's going to work. It just means that I've been persuaded this is the most rational course of action. But I don't think that's analogous to um, to Christianity. Mm -mm. Yeah, and I think why I don't know if we we mentioned this yet or not, um, but the reason he's talking about pragmatic versus epistemic justification is uh, Craig was accused of basically giving. Kyle, a Pascal's wager, like you, you should just believe because it, it's going to be because it's because it's beneficial. It's beneficial. Right. So with Pascal's wager, though, I mean, at first I thought that he wasn't giving him a Pascalian wager uh, and it was more of this, you know, assurance thing. But at, Craig came out and said he basically was it mm -hmm. is kind of like a Pascal's wager. But with Pascal's wager too, like eternity is outweighs anything that's finite here on this earth, right? So like when you start to do that cost benefit analysis, it's uh, infinity is gonna outweigh like your your life here on there. So I mean, it, it, your justification then, is, you know. Yeah, but uh, I think that leads to a lot of problems. First of all, there's the, the issue that it isn't a costless uh, choice. Correct. So Craig, right after this, when he's talking about this experimental drug, he's saying, well, what if there was no side effects? And it also made your life so much better and so much more fulfilled and blah, 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 blah. And it's clear, like, Craig feels very fulfilled in his faith, and I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's satisfied in his faith. It's great. Awesome. But uh, he, he seems to be implying that, like, the alternative is not that way. 
and I don't know if he like thinks us atheists are all like miserable, dried up husks of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> right. I think he's also bringing some of his own um, bias into this conversation too, because for Craig, there may not be a cause for Christianity. Like he's, he's been a Christian his, almost his whole life. Right. So for him, it just seems normal to go about through the day to day thing. And his profession is an apologist. So he's in it every day right. to where somebody who's not doing that as a profession, there is a cost to that, right? So you actually have the cost of familial pressures and um, all it, kinds it of stuff. It costs time and energy to, like, if you're going to live this faith, right, it requires commitments that you need to keep up. Well, um, if you're a true Christian. Right, obviously. <laughs> uh, it, it can also require you to hold positions that you may not actually agree with. Like, when I was a Christian, I was convinced that the Bible uh, did not endorse homosexuality. I thought that the Bible said homosexuality was wrong. I, however, didn't see any problem whatsoever with homosexuality. I didn't see what the big deal was, but I had to believe or I had to like act as if I believed that homosexuality was wrong because the Bible said so. Right. That's a cost. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a cost to me anyway. Cool. Uh, there, there's also, since this is kind of getting into Pascal's wager, and we've talked about this before, but um, there's more to it than just the cost benefit there because you've got other religions, which to be fair, they do talk about in this stream a little bit. Um, at 2207, I guess we can, because uh, he does address the other religions objection. Case the belief turns out to be false. Well, one thing that I wanted to discuss with you was uh, before we turn to questions from the audience, which we've already had a, 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 a whole lot that have come in. But one question that I wanted to put to you was, well, what about the many gods objection to Pascal's wager, where it's not just mm -hmm. a decision between Christianity and, say, right. atheism. You've also got to consider Islam. You've got to consider Hinduism. Yeah. You've got to consider all of these different versions of religions. And so it, it's not just as simple as like this option or this option. Which so how would you I, I want to give this credit to Cameron because he did a decent job of like pushing Craig on things like this. And also he pushed him on the fact like, but you did say lower the epistemic bar. What did you mean by that? So I think Cameron did a good job. Yeah, I mean, he could have just rolled out the red carpet. and like, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. So. <laughs> and that is the most important objection. And I think there are two ways of responding to that. One would be that if the alternatives um, are so uh, improbable, they can be safely ignored. For example, that Odin or Zeus might turn out to be the true God. The probability of that is so utterly negligible that these can be safely ignored and the argument will not be impaired. The other response would be, if you can use rational argument and evidence to reduce the alternatives <laughs> to a tractable number, like two or three or four, then you can run the argument um, just using those alternatives. And I think that for Pascal himself, I think that he believed that the alternatives based- yeah. uh, First of all, uh, Odin said he was gonna get rid of the frost giants and I don't see any frost giants. So there you go. Yeah, this kind of gets into that, like this is maybe where some of that special pleading comes into play, right? Um, because he's basically saying if, well, if you could come up with defeaters, he goes into that, the whole line mm -hmm. of like, if there's defeaters for these other religions, you can just basically ignore them and you don't have to consider them anymore because they're obviously wrong. But 
what if you could just come up with defeaters for Christianity, right? Like, well, to be fair, I think he'd say that there are no defeaters for Christianity. Well, of course he would. <laughs> right. <laughs> true, but yeah. Kyle or whoever in this other interlocutor here is talking to Craig, like if, if you could just take that argument and then replace Odin with Christianity or with God, or if you replace Islam with Christianity and the argument still isn't the same, like you have to keep the same standards, right? So, right. Uh, so, something on that that standard piece that he talks about a lot. He talks about several times throughout Cameron's videos. Well, we're not going to play the whole thing. It's like an hour. But um, uh, he talks again about the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Just like he talked when he was speaking to Kyle, he talks about that as a, as a way to uh, have justification. He believes you can you can have epistemic justification through the Holy the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So at thirty one thirty, in fact, he says just that you can have epistemic as like knowledge, you can have knowledge of the truth of the Christian claims through this inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. But which, then, go ahead. Which Craig has already stated is just an assurance of salvation. That's right. all the witness of the Holy Spirit is. But then he says this, and I think this is worth playing. At 3421, there was a great question from the audience. Um, I think from Myth Vision. I think Myth Vision might have yeah, asked it. Derek. Yeah. experience in their belief in Mormonism what i said was the assurance of salvation uh, and this is a very common christian experience that persons who have come to know christ and experienced his life-changing power have an assurance deep down that their sins are forgiven that they have eternal life that they are quote unquote saved uh and and going to be with god in heaven for eternity that doesn't mean they don't have doubts but they do have this deep-seated fundamental assurance. And I think that that is born by the witness of the Holy Spirit to you. Now, certainly Mormons will speak of something similar, a burning in the bosom when the Book of Mormon is read. But I would say that whereas we do not have defeaters for the witness of the Holy Spirit, in the New Testament sense, we have uh, overwhelming defeaters for the truth of Mormon belief. Um, I, and anyone who is interested in that, just read a book on Mormonism. It's his <laughs> just read a book, man. <laughs> just, just... So what oh. I thought was was fascinating there is he gets pushed on the outsider's test of faith, um, which is basically like imagine you were an outsider looking at your own claims, what would you think, right? And mm -hmm. this is sort of like that, because he is an outsider to Mormonism. And, and Derek very astutely asked him, like, well, what about Mormons who describe a very similar thing? And Craig's response was, yeah, but they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was essentially what he said right there. Uh, now, I understand, I take what he's saying. Like, we have a defeater. He thinks that there are reasons to uh, disbelieve the claims of Mormonism. Okay, so we can chalk that off. Okay, I get that. But I think it's interesting that he, he's putting up this feeling, and I don't care. He, he can say it's not a feeling. It sure sounds like a feeling to me. This assurance or however you want to describe it. He's putting up this phenomena that's happening inside someone's mind uh, as evidence. Like this is an epistemic justification. And yet other people are having the same experience, and he says they're coming to wrong conclusions. Which 
does that make it a good method to come to a conclusion? Exactly. Like if other people can use exactly the same method and come to wildly different conclusions and he says we had defeaters, those are wrong, definitely. Well, that should, I would think, undermine Craig's confidence in his method. Mm-hmm. If other people are using the same method and coming to the wrong results, maybe maybe there's a wrong problem with the method. You know? Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. Like I think this whole thing about the the witness of the Holy Spirit and stuff is just wordplay and uh I actually have a real problem with it, too, because for somebody whose whole career is built on giving justifications for faith, like outlying, like these are the reasons you can believe. But at the end of the day, it seems that Craig is basically just saying, well, it's just a feeling like that's that's your reason that you can have for your faith, which I don't know, it just bothers me a little bit. But yeah, it seems like a way to just kind of dress up your personal convictions like you feel like it's true you have some kind of personal experience that it's true and it seems like a way to just kind of pass that off as if it were something other than what it is if you just want to say i i believe it's true because i feel it i have a feeling i mean i may not be convinced by it but at least it, like that seems to me to be the, the more honest way i'm not saying honest, that, yeah, yeah. I, I, i'm not saying craig's lying i'm sure he believes everything he's saying i just don't think it's the the most forthright way to portray what he's saying. I, I think it's an attempt to pass it off as more than what it actually is. Right. And if so if you look at it from Craig's standpoint, he actually believes this to his core, right? He had this experience when he was younger um, and he had this assurance wash over him and it made him feel good. Uh, and so like, I'm sure he does believe it. And so for him, it is a viable method to believe it. But from an intellectual standpoint, and to pass it off from like an academic pursuit as something that is is epistemic, is knowledge, I think is right questionable. <laughs> um, yeah, questionable to say the least. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it gets kind of at, at uh, something else that uh, one of the questioners got at, which is like, where does it stop? Where do you draw the line? Like, why are your feelings okay to use as evidence, but other pe- other people's feelings aren't? You know, what what makes your feelings privileged over theirs? You know, um, some uh, another like flaw to this entire idea of like pragmatic justification. Maybe we should dig more into that is um, I think it, it can force you to accept things for bad reasons. So, for example, at 4150, uh, somebody asked him about um, whether or not that that should mean we should lower our epistemic standard for uh, universalism. And for those who don't know, universalism is the belief, like all dogs go to heaven, basically. Everybody yeah. everybody gets to go to heaven. Maybe like, I'm sure there are different brands. It could be like a good place situation or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> at the end of the day, at some point, everyone's going to make it, right? Yeah. Um, and Cameron points out like, well, because universalism is like, you say we should believe in Christianity because you know, it's beautiful and it's wonderful and like great promise. Well, universalism seems to be even more beautiful and even more right, wonderful. Right. So you know? Should the bar be lower than right? And the- Craig's response is yes. Like, yeah, wow, that's a good point. Uh, I'll have to look into the cost. And it's like, it seems like he's being driven to the point where it's like, you have to believe whatever is nicest, like whatever would be the <laughs> nicest thing to exist. You know, like, oh, it would be it would be cool if A is true, but B would be way cooler. So let's go with B. You know? 
<laughs> Until next seem... week when somebody comes along with C, which is cooler than B. He's like, right. <clears throat> well, yeah. yeah. What if what if not everybody gets there? But also, there's puppies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you uh, don't like puppies, there's kittens. So whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever animal you prefer. Like it, it just seems like not a very good way to get to the truth, you know. And if truth is what we're valuing, it seems like embracing a method that explicitly is looking for non i think the term he uses what non-truth driven reasons to believe something i don't know it doesn't seem like a good method to me no i mean obviously to, to me either but to both of us our whole channel and, and podcast the reason we do this is because we want to have good reasons for the things that we believe right yeah uh, we may I not have a hundred percent certainty but we want to have a good justification for that belief. So Jordan and I both, I believe, would, and I speak for you here, is lean towards the epistemic, you know, justification, sure. right? Like I'm, I'm with David Hume when he says a wise man proportions his belief to the evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, um, now I take what Craig said, and for those who are jumping in late, um, Craig is, it made some good points about like why you might want to act in a certain way, pragmatically. Right. So like if you were drowning in an ocean and you see a boat in the distance, it might be pragmatically reasonable to wave your arms and yell, even though you are confident they can't see you. You don't think they can see you. There's no reason for you to believe they can see you like you can take an action even if you don't believe it'll work pragmatically. But that's a very different thing than forcing yourself to believe something, which I personally don't think you can do. Yeah, well, <clears throat> sorry. He's, he's still getting over COVID. Yeah, I, I, I still have crap in my lungs and it keeps coming up. So I apologize for that. But yeah. um, Fake disease, though. Yeah, well, speaking of fake, what about fake it till you make it, right? And he kind of touches on this a little bit, you know, with the, the doxastic, doxastic. It's spelled with an X, but it's pronounced with an Do S. Doxastic. Doxastic volunteerism, right? So basically the idea that you just go through the motions and eventually you'll... Well, so there's different brands of doxastic volunteerism. Sure. And uh, so what, what this means is uh, it, it's the question of whether or not you can choose as in like have vault, like control over your beliefs. Right. And there's two different flavors. There's the one that's like pretty much uncontroversial. Uh, it's called in, it's uh, indirect doxastic volunteerism. Basically that means you can take steps to get to things. So like you're like told that this musician is the best musician ever and you've never heard of them. So you go like look into them and it turns out they're super awesome and you they're great. So you believe it and you took steps to get to that belief. That's like indirect. And that seems like, okay, cool, whatever you, yeah. you can, you can do things that might lead to you being convinced, whatever. But the other one, which it's not clear which one Craig says he embraces one, but he didn't clarify which one he embraced. But since he says it's not fake it till you make it and it's not anything like that, it sure seems like he's talking about this one, which is direct doxastic volunteerism as in you can just like choose to believe propositions like, just you choose yeah it's not indirect you directly discover yes yeah. i want to believe it therefore it's it's true now like i believe it now and i gotta be honest i i don't believe that that can be done i, mean, I can't do it yeah i've seen some interactions that you've had with people's on the internet already this <laughs> past week uh asking them to like yeah. believe something so <laughs> so one guy uh was saying yeah you can definitely choose to believe things so i was like oh okay well real quick for me can you choose to believe that you can't choose to believe things no weird like it's weird how that works right <laughs> yeah, strange yeah. uh so yeah i'm not sure which one craig endorses but 
from the process of elimination, he seemed to be leaning towards direct. He didn't say either one, so I can't say for sure. But uh, I'm going to, the most charitable thing I can think is he's going for indirect, in which case it's just fake it till you make it, which is, and he says that's not what he was saying, but like what else is going through the motions until you believe it? It's you know, faking it. What else would you, you would you call it? it? You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. Something, something fancy. Um, which gets to a point I wanted to bring up. I know we're kind of jumping around here, but what, going back to Craig's like one in a million thing where he says, well, that was just like a, you know, a general kind of like hyperbole for something. But yeah. Dr. Craig is somebody who speaks with precision. Usually. Usually, right? So he's usually very well-spoken. His words are chosen. And he has these things where he, he's been giving these things, talks over and over. So he's kind of repeating some of the stuff he has. So he's very versed in that. I don't know if the one in a million thing, like, I'm still hung up on that personally, right? Even though well, he said it was like a... I think that the ultimately, whether it's one in a million or sufficiently low is kind of immaterial. That the point, like he obviously was saying that even if there is a low probability of it being true, whether that is one in a million or some other number has to be a low probability. Right. He was, he said, if there's a low probability of being true, the fact that it is so beneficial means we should believe it. Yeah. And that just that just rubs me the wrong way. Like the fact that like if it's beneficial, if something is so sufficiently beneficial, I think that can justify looking into it. That can justify like really doing your homework and like digging and seeing if it's true, because it would be awesome if it was. So you like put in I think that could justify putting in extra work to believing it's true. I think depending on the thing, it might even believe it justify acting as if it were true even if you don't believe it's true. The medicine example, I don't believe that this medicine is going to cure me, but it's literally my only shot, so I'm sure. going to do it anyway. I think that can be justified. But again, that is different from Christianity because it's not good enough in Christianity or any other religion to just act as if it were true because God knows that you're acting, right? God right. knows that you're pretending. Well, I guess it depends on <clears throat> on your variation of Christianity too, right? So That's true. But, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think uh, for me, if you are of the persuasion of Christianity where deeds are not enough, you have to have genuine belief, right? I think that someone like Kyle, someone's testimony of the original questioner here, who is someone who's desperately trying to believe, who, who is asking an authority figure that he trusts to help him, and this authority figure doesn't do anything for him. And basically the answer he's getting is you have to have this emotion, and he has no control over that. That doesn't paint the whole system in a very good light. Like if literally the only thing stopping you from being annihilated or thrown into a lake and fire or whatever your, you know, afterlife preferences or beliefs are <laughs> like the only thing that's that's between you and that fate is your warm and fuzzies. Like that's not a great system. Right. Like, I, I mean, Part of me is like, well, what is the point of Craig's entire ministry, right? Apologetics, right? Having reasons for your faith. Like, I was expecting him to come up, well, you know, let's talk through this. Let's talk about some of the right. reasons that you could be justified in, in your belief. And like, no, he just and, went straight to the fuzzies. <laughs> and to be fair, he does do a lot of work on the reasons. And he mentioned yeah. a couple times that, you know, he does think he, he does think that there are good epistemic reasons to believe in Christianity. So I don't want anyone to come away with the idea that Craig admitted that there aren't, because he did not admit that. He said that he thinks that it is epistemically justified. But what he did say was, even if you didn't have that, it would still be reasonable to believe because it's beneficial. Yes. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a good uh, thing. Talking about faking to make it. I had a very similar uh, period. I, I think Jared actually had way more of this than I did. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I relate to this very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk real quick about your experience right at the end because you were at Liberty. Yeah, I was at uh, in seminary and um, I literally was at the point where I had to make a decision where I, I was my last semester and I had pretty much come to the conclusion that I know last semester of seminary of seminary. Yeah. So I was under I had come to the conclusion that I no longer believed in God. And I'm like, well, I could be intellectually honest and drop out of school and waste the last four years of my life and, you know, basically throw that degree away. Or I could just fake it. <laughs> Literally pretending to be Literally a pretend to be a Christian and like get through this last semester and you know, but I still even then, like I was still struggling with this idea of like, well, maybe if I just keep going through the motions, like maybe it'll it'll come back, right? So like I wasn't like being completely but I, I actually had that conversation with myself about that. And I remember being in uh, church and sitting there listening to the sermons and I was going through the motions of singing uh, you know, hymns and worship music and stuff. And it's still, it just wasn't doing anything yeah. for me anymore. So I missed this when she put it up there, but this is also a great point from uh, Jenna, whatever is nicest sounds too convenient. Yeah. And, and like you said, belief in a higher being needs more justification than that. I, I agree. Like I, I don't know about you folks, but I am absolutely terrified of dying. And uh <laughs> Uh, you guys don't lay awake at night filled with existential dread. Just me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so it would be super neat if the afterlife was real. Like I would, I don't know that I'd worship the Christian God. Cause like I have issues with genocide and slavery and little stuff like that. Yeah. Little right, tiny right. little problems, but man, oh man, would it be cool if I got to live forever. Right. But like, yeah, it'd be cool. And Craig is saying that, that 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 means that I'm justified. Well, there you go. He, he reiterated so, not just the original thing, but he he doubled down on this. He said that the the benefits of Christianity, afterlife being one of them, is enough to justify belief. I'm sorry, I don't think it is. I don't. Know, you should just reconvert right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. And, and I, that also. Well, we've already talked about how it would like lead you to like whatever shiny thing is happening at the moment. I don't want to repeat myself. Sure. I think, oh, I mean, man. we've kind of talked about this quite a bit. Um, we should probably start wrapping it up. But I think it's interesting that the the backlash from the atheist community online was harsh and fast. Like, uh, because I, I think it gets to that point, like, we expected more from from Dr. Craig, right? Based yeah. on his career. Um, and I'll say though, like he did issue this, not correction per se, but clarification. It was more of a I double down actually. Yeah, I don't know that it actually, like it did clarify some things, but I, it didn't actually change his answer all that much. And I gotta be honest, I still don't think he understands Kyle's objection because yeah. he said several times and he said both in his original answer and he said it afterwards that Kyle is asking for this crazy level of evidence. Like he wants Jesus to come down and like directly. And I, first of all, I don't think that's a crazy thing to ask of an almighty all knowing deity to just like pop over for a second. Like, is he too right. busy? Like what's he doing? You know, but aside from that, uh, that's not what Kyle said. And I don't want to speak for Kyle. Maybe that's what he meant 
I don't know. I'm not Kyle, but it seemed to me what he was saying was it would be nice to have this, but I understand that's not going to happen. So what I'm asking for is this inner witness you keep talking about. Can you tell me how to get it? And Craig was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Craig was like, if you were a true Christian, you'd already have it. <laughs> right. Get good or get wrecked, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So well, Kyle, we, we'd love to have you in our community. Um, and we're all about, having good reasons to believe in things so yeah, come on I, over and if somehow kyle stumbles in this video uh we think it's awesome that you're doubting we i don't care if you ever deconvert or stay if you find your faith again and become a christian whatever fulfills you in your life you know i just want you to be happy but it is super exciting to me that you're experiencing doubts because doubts are how we grow right mm -hmm. without without doubts we're not going to uh learn more we're not going to uh get stronger and whatever our belief system we're not going to find the truth so don't don't like doubting is uncomfortable and i get it but like sit with those doubts let them let them let them seep a little bit there's a reason our channel's named reason to doubt right because right uh, we think yeah. you have good reason to doubt and we do. doubt is a good thing it's a virtue and it's going to lead you to truth hopefully right. so <clears throat> yeah uh so thanks for joining uh everybody we are Really, really close to 200 subs. Be super awesome if we get there. So you haven't subbed, hit that button or whatever. Uh, if you think we missed something, if you think we're being uncharitable to Craig, or if uh, you know we made a mistake, please let us know. We're always happy to learn. We are only human, so uh, please let us know if we did something wrong. Uh, and if there's someone else you think we should tackle or some other claim, uh, do let us know there. Uh, <laughs> uh, if there's a one in a million chance that Islam is true, shouldn't he revert to Islam? Well, I think so. What he'd say is he has a defeater for Islam. Yeah. He didn't say what the defeater is, but he says he has a defeater. So uh, if you have warm and fuzzies plus def uh, de no defeater, then then you're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just wired different. I don't know. But uh, anyway, guys, thanks for joining. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.